tell us a little bit about what you saw and, and, and being able to relay that message to Cora when you watched Kimbrell pitch and, and kind of help out so he wasn't uh, tipping his pitches. So tipping pitches, we hear about it all the time. People at home understand what tipping pitches is all about. It's amazing, man. Yeah, that's remarkable. Alex, one thing that they don't tell you when you start a podcast with your best friend is that sometimes when things happen to you and you want to tell your friend about them, you just can't because you have to save it for the pod. Mm -hmm. That is one of the, you know, it's hard, honest work that we do here. We don't always ask for thank yous, you know, but we're out here, boots on the ground, doing the frontline work of podcasting. <laughs> yep. For all you mm -hmm. listeners back at home, we're not responding telling each other. Responding to tweets. Yeah. Exactly. Responding to tweets. Asking people for topics via Twitter, getting rate limited on Twitter.com. Uh, something funny happened to me a couple weeks ago that I wanted to tell you about. Uh, however, I couldn't because I needed to save it for the podcast. I was going through airport security where all of my best stories start. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I was at one of those new machines, one of those highfalutin machines that automatically separates the bags that they need extra inspection for. And my suitcase, my carry on suitcase, got selected, went over to the TSA agent. Guy was like looking at the x-ray. <laughs> I think I know where this is going. Guy was like looking at the x-ray machine. And he's like looking at it and he's like kind of has a puzzled look on his face. And he's like, is that a microphone stand in there? I was like, yeah, yeah, it's a microphone stand. He's like, I'm going to have to take it out and look at it real quick. And I was like, that's totally fine. So we're, we're, he's unzipping it. He's having a really hard time unzipping the suitcase, which I thought was kind of weird because like he's Kind of his whole job is like to unzip suitcases <laughs> and open them up, but that's okay. He was like, this zipper is weird. And I'm like, it's actually just a zipper, but that's okay. Anyway, so he's looking at the microphone stand and I'm like, hey, you know, the podcast never stop. Just trying to make small talk with the TSA <laughs> <course>. agent. <laughs> right, as one does. It was like a young guy. He seemed like he was having a fun time. And he just no sold me. Just didn't say anything to me joking around about how the podcast never stopped until he got the thing open. He saw that it was a mic stand and he goes, what's the podcast about? And I'm like, it's just about baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like I didn't need to give the full explanation, you know, the full elevator pitch of which we've never really narrowed down. Right. And he said, oh, cool. And then like maybe, maybe 10 more seconds passed by in silence. Didn't ask me for the name of the podcast or anything, so I doubt okay, that he's I was listening gonna, right was now. Asking, but if he, yeah. but if he was going to find it, I hope I hope he's enjoying my retelling of this story. He puts all the stuff back together. You know, he zips the suitcase back up for me. He hands it back to me, and he, when he hands it back, in a very like fatherly tone, he just goes, "Don't stop, keep going." Wow, yeah, you, you made a friend that day. A I mentor. made a friend, but also. I kind of felt like he thought that I had just started the podcast, you know, not like we were coming up on our six year anniversary of doing this show. I was, I was a little hurt that I, that it seemed like I was maybe putting off like amateur junior podcaster vibes. Right. What do you think I was going to stop? Like I'm I like, was, guy, there's a microphone an XLR, a mic stand and a Scarlet 2i2 in here. Yeah. I'm traveling. You think that I just I'm started traveling yesterday? <laughs> which, uh, which, uh, which airport was it at? Unfortunately, it was at Newark, mm. Newark Airport. I don't often fly out of Newark, but when I do, I hate myself for choosing to do that. <laughs> well, I, I was going to ask because when I was flying out of LaGuardia uh, a few weeks ago, I was wearing my national, my Orioles nationalized baseball shirt, and the TSA oh, agent yeah. stopped, stopped me, right, and said, and said, "Hey, nice, you know, nice go team, nice shirt." It's like that's, you know, yeah. Do you think he was just an Orioles fan? Like, do you think he just didn't read your shirt that closely? 
I'm not even certain that he was really a baseball fan because he read the text and read it back to me and said, nationalized baseball, what is that? And I was like, oh. it's, just a, it's just an idea. Right on. <laughs> but the reason I asked... The revolution is I, will I, not be televised, but it will start with TSA agents, Right, I guess. it will be going through security. <laughs> so what you're telling me is there are, multi- there are multiple... TSA agents now who are tangentially aware of tipping pitches who are a part of this cinematic universe. I don't know if they understand what it's all about, but they could. They could. They could. I I really can't like self promo in those situations. I can't, I can't get myself to like say the name of our podcast to a stranger. There's just like something really mentally blocking me from doing it. I have to be directly asked what it's called. And even then, I'll, I'll be like, I'll pull it up on my phone and show someone. <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad. I'm not just not born to be a content creator, I don't think. Well, I mean, some people create the content and some people market the content, right? Mm-hmm. You create the content. That's half the battle right there. Maybe we come up with like little business cards or something, you know, just like my podcast is called Tipping Pitches at tipping underscore pitches on Twitter. Like just blank, you know, like a like a Patrick Bateman style like uh <laughs> like business card, you know? Like something that Roman really stops people 12. in their in their tracks. Yeah. So in that equation, are you the person that promotes the content? Are you out there marketing <laughs> the content? That might be uh saying a little much, but I can at least get the words out of my mouth, you know? So it's we each play we each play the role here, right? It's you you give the elevator pitch, someone asks what it what it's called, and I say tipping pitches, right? That we're like a marketing battery of sorts, you know? Yeah, like a good cop, bad cop. Right. That doesn't really work. Anyway, we have some fun topics on board today. Uh, this is the first podcast you and I have recorded together in quite a little while. Uh, we've banked a few episodes, so a lot of stuff has happened since we recorded last. Uh, we fielded some topics from our lovely listeners on uh, on Twitter, on the dying days of Twitter.com. We're going to try to breeze through as many of those as possible. Um, I'm sitting in a room that is getting like one degree hotter per minute. So we'll see if my brain actually lasts throughout this recording. Uh, but before we do all that fun stuff, I am Bobby Wagner. And I'm Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. All right, Alex. A couple housekeeping things before we get started. First things first. Thank you so much to everybody who has sent in voicemails, emails, pitching Alex on his new team. We are getting closer and closer to recording that podcast by the day. It's just over a week away when we will tape that podcast. So, and a couple of weeks away from coming out. Um, so, thank you to everybody who has already sent in. Alex, you, uh, you're going to have some decisions to make. Even though, as we're going to talk about later in this podcast, you're already leaning in it. You're leaning in a direction. That might be true, although I'm a little hesitant to to put anything like that out into the world just yet. Right? Again, right, I don't want to. I don't want to like biased. float a little trial balloon, sway the masses. I will say that we um we we did get a question um about whether you have to pick a team to 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 root for or or if you can argue for other versions of baseball fandom, for example, right? And I want to reiterate that you, you are more than welcome to make the case of uh, not watching baseball, of, <laughs> of, two, of two teams. Hang on. Hang on. 
I would like to put my foot down and say that you can't make the case that Alex shouldn't watch baseball. <laughs> You're not, you guys, you people calling in are not the ones who have to host a baseball podcast with this guy weekly. So you can't tell him to just stop watching baseball. How much more fun would that podcast be, though? You'd more get to fun. like explain everything to me. It'd be, it'd be fun for me. I wouldn't have to do any work. You'd have to come do all the prep work, right? Come so you think a, a more fun version of experiencing the sport of baseball would be just hearing me explain to you Mets losses. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, ba- so basically, I'm just becoming a Mets fan. It sounds I funny. could call Phoebe in here right now, and she could tell you how unfun that is. <laughs> <laughs> just hearing me relay what happened in the Mets game. Yeah, it does sound like a tough scene. I, res- exactly. I rescind. I rescind that uh, that option for folks. You can call and make the case that Alex shouldn't pick a team. You know that he should just pick a player and just stick to that player for the rest of his life. That's fine. But you know, part of the fun is that we're going to go through team by team. Mm-hmm. We're not going to go through player by player. It's not going to be an eight-hour podcast. Speak for yourself. It's also not going to be a two-hour podcast. This is not the two-hour podcast that we've been <laughs> referring to. Trust me. Um, so thank you to everybody who has called. You can you can continue to call for the next week plus. Uh, the number is 785-422-5881. The email is tippingpitchespod at gmail.com. Speaking of those ways of contacting us, we also are fielding questions for a separate recording. You may have heard me mention this before. It is short answer questions or yes or no questions. We need a whole lot of them, dozens of them, for the podcast episode that we are planning on recording that is still a ways away, a ways in the distance. However, we are fielding questions for that right now via Google form that we have been putting in the description of this podcast. We've also tweeted it out a couple times. I'll continue to tweet it out occasionally um, because we need a bunch of those questions. And so we wanted to make sure we gave people enough time to think of them, to submit them so that we can record that podcast for folks. Uh, final thing, final housekeeping thing. I feel like... I feel like an MC, you know, every time we start to do this podcast, I feel like like everybody file in, please move into the middle of the row so that you can create more room for people as they come in. <laughs> You're very please, good at it. I will. I'll just say, please silence your cell phones. If you have to take an emergency call, we would appreciate if you step outside the theater to take the call. Right. Can um, someone with the license plate 7QT3 come to the front, please? Just a four letter license plate. Can someone with the license plate A Rod? Please come forward. <laughs> a hyphen rod. Uh, the last thing before we actually get into this week's episode is we officially have tickets on sale for the Tipping Pitches Brooklyn Cyclones community meetup. It is July 29th, Saturday, July 29th, 6 p.m. at Maimonides Park. Maimonides? Is that how you say that? Never actually said that word out loud. You know, at I the think park I usually just said the Cyclones Park. Yeah, at the at the the Cyclones M- MCU, part. right? Isn't it MCU still? Or is that I not think they the renamed it. I think it's now Maimonides. Mm. You made me say it again. I don't know if that's how you say it. <laughs> anyway, it's in Coney Island. Saturday, July 29th, 6 p.m. Tickets are $17, including fees. If you buy a ticket through our link, you will be part of the same section that everybody else is sitting in. You will also get a free Brooklyn Cyclones hat. And it's going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, the link for that is in the podcast description. As well as if you are in the Slack, it is in the general Slack channel and it is pinned. So if you ever need to find it, it's probably the easiest way to do it. Is there anything else that I'm forgetting that I need to tell people? Should I be giving out your Venmo so that people can bribe you to become fans of their team? That's I won't turn it down. 
A lot of discourse think- these days around rich benefactors. <laughs> right. If someone t- wants to take me on a fishing trip in order to <laughs> convince me to join their team, I will happily oblige. Stuff his pockets full of cash to become a Rangers fan. That's That feels like a interesting use of, of money. Yeah. Like, not a lot of bang for your buck there. Not a lot of ROI. No, not really. But but I won't turn it down. Uh, but no, I think that's I think that's everything. Before we dive into the meat, the meat of the pod. Yeah, the very fun meat of the pod, which is uh-huh. AQI, Air Quality Index. We're going to start this week by talking about how Major League Baseball does not know what they're doing and is not prepared for the incoming climate apocalypse. Incoming is maybe not even the description for it. It might just be here. We might right. be in the thick of it. Yeah. I'm sure many people listening to this know, I'm sure basically everybody listening to this knows, that um, wildfire smoke across Northern America has been causing a decrease in air quality um, in various instances over the last month plus. Uh, Much of the East Coast has been affected by this. I actually have been out of the East Coast, away from the East Coast, both times that this has really flared up in the last few weeks. So I fortunately have been like avoided this, but you know, for for our friends who are still in town the first time through sending us photos of it just looking like Blade Runner 2049. It's just like really, truly eerie stuff. And obviously there are Major League Baseball teams that play across the eastern seaboard of the United States and across the Midwest too where, where it has been affected. You know, Pittsburgh was another one of these towns that um, bore the brunt of some of this terrible wildfire smoke. And... I think it's presented some interesting problems for teams and for the league in deciding about whether they want to play through some of these conditions, through some of these conditions, whether they want to postpone these games um, and how long they will have to postpone these games because they don't know when some of this, this wildfire smoke is going to clear, whether, when the air quality index is going to return. You know, I think it can be kind of hard to predict some of these things in the way that you can predict rain nowadays a lot easier. I mean, I, I don't know if there's like a question in here. I don't know if there's like a large takeaway in here other than other than it seems like a league that was totally caught flat footed over something that has been happening for basically years now. You know, in 2020 and 2021, I believe some of this stuff was affecting the West Coast, you know, in Los Angeles and in San Francisco. There was an A's game that I remember being played in basically like bright orange skies uh, a little bit in, in Seattle last year, I remember. And so this is something that has been happening frequently enough that you would think that there needs to be a more clear policy, but it doesn't seem like it's, it doesn't seem like there's any kind of policy that they're following. It just seems to be sort of a, well, we feel like we can try to get one in still. Have you seen anything about like what the actual air quality index cutoff should be for these teams? I don't know about what it uh, should be. I remember seeing a tweet from Stephanie Epstein of, Sports Illustrated, which which she sent out a month ago at this point when we were dealing with this very same thing with regards to teams like the Twins and the Yankees. And she basically said, you know, according to the league, there is no cutoff. They don't have a hard and fast number, right? They take a look at how the air quality is in a given situation, and they try and look at what it might look like three hours from now, and then make the decision based on that, which is wholly irresponsible, right? Like, the idea that the Pirates were playing in an environment where the AQI was in the, like, 230 range, which is unhealthy. Actually, sorry, let me clarify. I believe that's 
very unhealthy for everyone. All people, all groups of people should not be outside doing physical exertion, you know? And what was most baffling to me about, about the Pirates game in particular was that the, the players had voiced concerns about playing. Andrew McCutcheon was very vocal both before and after the game that, you know, hey, maybe, maybe nature's trying to tell us something here, right? He was wearing a mask while he was out on the field. And after the game, he even said, you know, like if we, if all the players had banded together and said, we're not going to play, like we wouldn't have played the game, right? And I was baffled by the fact that they delayed the start of the game, right? To say, okay, well, we're not ready to play just yet. Let's, let's wait and see how this pans out. And the air didn't get much better. And so they said, doesn't look like it's going to get worse. Let's send it. I think the, the reason, honestly, that they haven't set a sort of bar, you know, a, a line over which games would be automatically canceled is because this is going to happen more and more. And the more that this happens, the more baseball games get canceled and the more revenue you lose. And, the, you know, it, it may make less of a difference on, you know, to MLB's pocketbooks to be a midweek Pirates game. But if it's a Los Angeles Dodgers game, right, you are taking a hit on, on revenue on that day if you play whatever that game is, right? And, and they can't do that. They don't want to do that, right? They don't want to set up a system which automatically triggers baseball game cancellations because the environment's not getting any better. Wildfires are happening more and more. And if you acknowledge the fact that, yes, this is unhealthy for our players and we need to do something about it, then you're acknowledging the slow degradation of our earth and the responsibility of like major corporations to not necessarily fight it, but at least protect their workers and the people who consume their product. And that's a pretty a pretty weighty thing, uh, I think, for a sports league to take on. I'm not really sure they're interested in taking up that mantle. This air quality index update brought to you by ExxonMobil. <laughs> ExxonMobil cares about MLB players being out there and breathing healthy. <laughs> Brutal. Brutal. I mean, I think you're dead on that the reason that they won't draw the line is because they're afraid of the fact that they draw the line in a spot where it is extremely disruptive to the regularity of their product. I mean, they, but what is so confounding to me is that this is a league that has games banged for rain all the time. And so they have the infrastructure to reschedule these games. It's not like it's, it's not like the air quality index is so high that they can't play games more often than it might just rain on a Wednesday night rain or thunder or lightning or whatever so i don't understand why you wouldn't just treat that exactly the same as lightning in the outfield it just it doesn't it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me is it because it's not as disruptive to the product as like rain on the camera or or as immediately disruptive to the product as like rain or causing the field conditions to go down right it doesn't affect your grip or anything yeah exactly but for like healthy people you know it it can cause pretty immediate side effects but not even that's not even mentioning people who have any kind of issues with breathing or air quality to begin with who are at more at risk so you're basically telling fans well you can't come today but some fans can come today and we can still make some money today it's really just it's honestly weird like it's weird that they haven't gotten better at this faster and i think that it's like 
pretty pretty damning and uh, about the dysfunction of MLB and their policies and their their preparedness for more serious weather and climate events that are on the the, the near to medium term horizon. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum with moving to a place like, like Las Vegas. I don't know if that's going to be a city in 50 years. No one can I don't know who can confidently say this is going to be a thriving city with enough water to keep people alive in 50 years. And yet, like the A's have been in Oakland for the last 50 years, so I, I would assume that they would at least want to stay in Las Vegas for the next 50 years. But still, like you set aside all that about how it's weird that MLB won't just reschedule these games and, and play doubleheaders on, on different weekends or whatever, you know, because they, they, they stuff their schedule so full of games and have so few off days that like even rain delays can cause issues with the schedule. And so if you're going to add in these air quality index delays or whatever, then it's going to present interesting scheduling problems and potentially lost revenue. If you set all, all of that aside, it's weird that there's like nothing about this in the collective bargaining agreement. It's weird that this doesn't trigger some kind of additional emergency like reopening of player safety clauses or something like that. Absolutely. Because it's not just like people like Andrew McCutcheon who are particularly attentive to this. I'm certain that there are players in Major League Baseball who like have asthma and are able to mo- able to manage that and moderate that with like an inhaler or something like that, but playing a game with in an air quality that is so low pitifully low there's only so much that your inhaler can do and there's only so much that you should be asked to to shorten your life for to play a baseball game like i don't know it's we got a question about this i don't know if it was a question necessarily so much as someone responding to you you know voicing concern over this on twitter someone responded and said it's weird that the mlbpa isn't like ready to be you know more militant about this and I think I agree like this if there are if there are you know if there were only two tenets of of union philosophy it would be let's get our value monetarily financially and let's keep our people safe and yeah. this is one of those things so i don't know i hope that this is the type of thing that like not just the MOBPA but like all unions are going to start thinking about all unions within the baseball world and outside of the baseball world, because it's not just baseball players that have to come work this game too. It's stadium yeah. workers, it's grounds crew, it's parking attendants, it's it's everybody who is tangentially involved in a major league baseball game. It's particularly baffling given that they spent three years crafting and refining health and safety protocols for what to do when the air that you're breathing might be dangerous. Like, I, I think you remember they actually canceled half a season uh, as, as part of that, right? And much to their chagrin. Much to, much to their chagrin, yeah. That was but so given, wild. Remember when the owners were like, nah, we're not going to come back because we're not going to make that much money. That was so cool. That, yeah, that was a fever dream, all of that. But like, I think the desire to have real like guardrails and protocols around this sort of thing is probably hindered by the fact that like this has been unfolding over the past few years, right? It's not like say a global pandemic that shuts everything down all at once and you're forced to respond, right? It's kind of MLB has the benefit of being able to say, well, 
let's push it a little further, right? Let's just see kind of how far we can go. And you wait until the actual product is impacted on a very visible level, right? Or until, again, the workers come to the table and say, we physically cannot play in this, right? And so I think that that's what we've seen, right? Is kind of MLB stringing everyone along and saying, you know, again, case-by-case basis. MLB loves its case-by-case basis these days. And what's one thing that you think that MLB doesn't think is a case-by-case basis? Arbitration? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah. Here's Here's the dollar amount you get. Yep. I don't know. It's such a it's such an indictment of the sport. And like this coming a couple of weeks after Rob Manfred came out and said, Yeah, academics, not a huge fan, is just such <laughs> <laughs> such a great one-two punch. But uh, this is not ending anytime soon. And so it's absolutely incumbent on on the leaders of the sport to get together and make a plan of action. And if not, again, like you said. I think the players like the players have real leverage here. Like they if their safety's at stake, like that's a that's a decent enough reason to come back to the bargaining table. Yeah. And I mean I think that stadium markers have leverage too. Our next topic here is um the Kauffman Stadium uh which is where the Royals play. Their stadium workers are currently trying to renegotiate their collective bargaining agreement. They just filed a federal federal labor charges against the Royals for not bargaining in good faith. They're represented by SEIU um, Local 1 in Kansas City. Uh, Representative, quote, this is from uh, the KCUR story. Representatives say that during their more than six-month contract negotiation process, the Royals have withheld information, surveilled, interrogated, and threatened workers. Um, It's worth noting that this is the first contract negotiation that has come up during um, John Sherman's ownership tenure of the Royals. And it seems like it's not, not going swimmingly. John Sherman, he of, where did he make his money, Alex? Wasn't he like a, uh, wasn't he an oil guy? Was he? They're always like, yep. Weird, he's the propane weird, weird guy. oils. Oh, propane. There you go. Yeah. Right. Energy LP, an American supplier of propane based in Kansas city, Missouri, the fourth largest propane retail retailer in the United States. Fourth largest. Come on, John, John, Sell some more propane. Um, it's also a major salt miner. Oh. Uh, with salt caverns being used for natural gas storage, it all comes into focus. This is all coming in the context, the recent Royals context of the fact that they won a new stadium in a, in a new uh, entertainment district uh, in downtown Kansas City or North Kansas City, uh, a $2 billion project, uh, sort of like in the Braves model of remodeling an entire area area and having it become a quote-unquote entertainment district, whatever that means. And these workers are the ones that are adding the value to this, this entertainment district. You can't have the entertainment without the people serving the food, opening the gates, uh, showing people where to sit, uh, showing people where to park. Like, you know, I remember when we talked with the Unite Here folks about the Dodger Stadium the Dodger Stadium potential strike, the strike vote, the, the negotiations over their contract are on All-Star Weekend a couple of years ago. And it just sounds kind of like remarkably similar to how things are going in every stadium. So I don't know that there's a direct link between this and like the air quality index or necessarily or the you know workplace safety of 
of being players going out there playing in, in poor quality air and, and being workers who are not being met at the table to talk about some of the issues that are facing them. But like, it does all kind of come from the same, the same place of like wanting to maximize revenue and not agree to or not enter into any kind of binding contract that prevents their long-term upside. Yeah, you know, there were a couple articles in KCUR uh, about this. And thank you to Francesca for sending them over. Um, the other article talks about kind of a rally that that various groups of unions and elected officials and community members kind of had to come together and basically pressure the royals into guaranteeing worker benefits, right, amid this new stadium. And, and one point that was brought up was the community benefits agreement, which you always always here in these stadium negotiations, right? On on both sides as like an avenue for actually securing tangible benefits for a city. And there are also ways that teams can put a nice little ribbon on what might amount to a heist from taxpayers, right? Now, the, the, the Royals are paying for half of this $2 billion stadium than set themselves, which is very... Really, really quite generous. So generous of them. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, this is what a lot of these workers are arguing is like before you choose a site, before you actually decide that you're going to take the money from the community and do all this hullabaloo, like we need to see in writing that the workers who are here now at Kauffman Stadium are like not just going to lose their jobs out of nowhere. And the folks at this new stadium are going to have a pathway to unionization, right? And a, a living wage. And, you know, the Royals, for their part, pushed back and said, you know, it's premature to talk about that, but definitely we want to take care of everyone, yada, yada. I, it's always striking to me because, I mean, I certainly don't expect the Royals to say, yes, actually, we will offer the path to unionization for, uh, for the workers. We're big fans of unions, of workers unionizing, and uh, we think that, di- that dialogue's important. But it would also be a pretty easy win to say, yeah, actually, we do care about our stadium workers, and we do want to pay them a minimum. Or we do want to pay them a living wage so they can live comfortably. I don't know. I, I maybe I'm feeling very naive on these topics today, but I'm just kind of like, it's not this hard, right? Like, it's not that hard to work. Look out for your work. Like, if there's smoke in the air, it's not that hard to say, "Hey, you don't have to be in the smoke." You know, if your workers are saying. I don't want to get fired and want to be able to live in a home. It's not that hard to say, yeah, that's a reasonable request for us, a multi-billion dollar company. Like, I just I just feel like I'm getting whiplash right now. Yes, it feels like it should be an easy win for these teams to like agree to these things and have fewer plates that they're spinning. But also at the same time, like one of the things with this negotiation that that is part of the filing with the the labor board is that it's illegal to like intentionally stall these negotiations like you can't come to the table and just kind of go be wishy-washy about things one day and the next day change your mind and anything that you say in the legal setting when negotiating with the union is like that you've committed to that and there is like admittedly like very gray area laws about what is bad faith negotiation versus what is good faith negotiation but if if there's like 
plausible cause that you might be stalling this negotiation and that plausible cause being that you might be moving to a new stadium and in theory the workers at that new stadium won't be union yet and you then you won't have to have a contract at all you won't have to agree to anything you won't set any standards for what you might pay the next round of workers then you can see a world in which the royals are like okay great i'll just put this off and put yeah, this off we'll and hold put out this for off that until it's not a problem at all anymore and you know i i love pushing decisions off as much as the next guy but it's not incumbent on me to make sure people have enough money to to live in homes you know we're not the the pod the podcast is not doing that well yet. So I think on one hand, it's easy to say, yes, they could take care of this tomorrow. But that is true of like every, every I, I union mean, negotiation. Yeah. It's like the management side has to pretend that it's hard so that we don't have to all come to each other and frankly admit how easy this would be to fix all of these problems. Because then you would have to admit how much more money that you're actually raking in than us. And so if you pretend like it's hard, then it keeps this whole facade up it keeps the entire facade it's like it's the same facade as oh we can't lose more games because then we won't make enough revenue and we won't make ends meet at the end of the year it's all part of the same big lie i mean i know there's (laughs) that's a loaded phrase these days the big lie but it's all part of the same big lie that these these businesses put forward to make it seem like they can't afford to pay stadium workers can't afford to lose out on gate revenue from three to five games the three to five games a year where players are going to get black long and also you know like you can't can't afford to like keep their highest earning scouts on the books like there's also this i guess class action lawsuit from a group of recently laid off major league scouts who um are suing major league baseball for age discrimination based on um them losing their jobs during the pandemic and and one of the claims in that lawsuit is that because they were the the longest tenured members of of their department uh, as scouts, they were the higher earners, and that MLB just used the excuse of the pandemic, the excuse of advancing in analytics to lay off all these scouts all at once, and that this is an age discrimination case because it just so happens that all of these people are older and all these people were making more money and had more benefits of being in this in this industry for longer. And so we find ourselves at this nexus point about forty. 45 minutes into every single podcast where it's like, okay, here's three topics where Major League Baseball Baseball (laughs) is systemically trying to keep costs down so that they can rake in more profits. And uh, what what are we to do about it besides fight the individual fight on each in each individual place? And we'll see how it actually turns out in the long run. But um, I don't know. I believe in SEIU Local One. It seems like they're up for the fight. I love to see a, I love to see federal labor charges filed nothing gets me revved up like federal labor charges yeah right yeah i believe them too i mean i'm just so sick of this like well if you give a worker a living wage then they're gonna ask for health insurance if you give a worker health insurance then they're gonna ask for pto and and i understand that like this is just how management negotiates, right? You have to assume that that workers are just going to come and fucking clean you out. And so you pretend you don't have anything to give them, right? So you can just give them the crumbs of the cookie. But it's just so... I don't know. Maybe I'm tired. Maybe it's just the the long weekend, man. I'm just so fucking over it, you know? This just in. 
Alex is over management. Fed up with capitalism. You can man. quote me on it. <laughs> you heard about this? Thing? This like crazy, man. You, have you heard about this? This is nuts. Like standing on the street corner, like approaching people. This is <laughs> this is wild. <laughs> so fed up with this. Um, Just handing out Adam Smith pamphlets, you know, <laughs> like y'all have to hear about the latest craze. <laughs> when you're done reading that, come back. I got some Marks and Engels for you. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. We have some an annotated version. Uh, an annotated version. Okay. Before we get out of here, let's uh, speed round. Everybody loves this. Everybody loves a speed round. We could talk yeah. about this all the rest of these topics for as long as we talked about those other topics. If we call it a speed round, people will be like, ooh. Ooh, speed round. Yeah. They're going to do this speedy. <laughs> I love These it are, too. It's more of a mental trick for me, you know? I'm like, I have to condense my thought. Like, what are the what are the top line points I got to hit? Should I just tell you that every topic that we do is a speed round? <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, okay, we, so we just finished our air quality speed round. Now we have our Kauffman Stadium marker speed round. Okay, <laughs> next speed round. Um, Shohei Otani is the greatest athlete of all time. Your thoughts? Just bar none. <laughs> bar none. Those are my thoughts. If... Shohei Otani hits 63 home runs this year. I'm not even exaggerating when I say that that would be the funniest thing that has ever happened in my entire life. Yeah. Yeah. Like all of the discourse over Roger Maris Jr., all of the discourse over his little company, about how he was following Aaron Judge around, about how they weren't throwing Aaron Judge enough strikes. They were all afraid of Aaron Judge. The real record versus the steroid record versus the. AL record versus the Yankee record versus the Maris family versus Aaron Judge's mom. And for Otani to break that in the very next year while also going like 13 and 5 with with a 3.1 ERA would genuinely be the funniest thing that has ever happened. Especially given all the like MVP context, you know, how are we judging? Oh, what, right. I didn't what, even what I, an I MVP left that out. guy is, right? You know, like, oh, that was so terrible that discourse and, last and, year. And it was like, like, well, if you we are the sh- stupidest person in the world if you think that Aaron Judge is not MVP. Yeah. It's like, if you give Shohei Otani the MVP, then you have to give it to him every year. I'm like, that's great. That was a very quick discussion then. I'd like to see somebody that. be more valuable than him. Right. What is this? Everybody gets, oh, so Aaron Judge gets a trophy because he's on the Yankees and he hits home runs? Should learn to pitch. He should. <laughs> if you want to be more valuable than the greatest athlete ever, I suggest that you try to do the things the greatest athlete ever does. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Although this doesn't bode well for my DH argument, so I might have to move us on from this. Is that currently banned? Did we just we put no. a lifetime ban on that one? I think we did because I think you did because you said, look, I've lost. I did. I I, would never say that. (laughs) (laughs) Frankly, I'm insulted that you would imply that I would tell you on recorded audio that I, quote, lost. (laughs) Maybe that wasn't the exact phrasing. It's like you don't know me at all. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maybe you said it's over. It doesn't matter anymore. I think what I said is I'm right, as (laughs) always. However, Uh it's clear that you would like to side with Rob Manfred and his cronies about the direction Jesus that the Christ. game is going. I can't believe we and brought this I back no up. I no longer this want shouldn't have said anything. to argue with you and the man, the powers that be, because it's a losing fight. So I'm just going to revert back into my corner with my DH lovers who know that they're right. And I know that they're listening to this with right your, now. With your DH lovers? With my DH haters. <laughs> with my pitcher hitting lovers. <laughs> who know that they're right. And they're listening to this right now. And they're saying, 
we will be vindicated yet. Shohei Otani is the chosen one. He has come to make all of your DH arguments moot, irrelevant, and frankly, Manfred loving. Thank you. All I will say listening. is <laughs> that Shohei Otani is the perfect pro DH argument. Right? The fact that he is such yes. an anomaly is 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 the you know I think proof that I, swear, I don't even want to do this. No, no. He's like one that, of my favorite things from the record. <laughs> He said it under duress, court reporter. <laughs> Strike that. <laughs> we need a judge on this podcast. Not an Aaron judge. We need like a... a like a line judge or Yeah, something. like an omnipotent sort of being who's just here to rule when one of us has gone too far. So we need a, like a producer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sure. Anybody out there listening? Is anybody a podcast producer? Anyone at home? Anyone know any podcast producers? Pregnant pause. <laughs> I'm trying to imagine you handing over the duties of editing the Tipping Pitches podcast to anyone else. I don't, I don't foresee that in the near future. You should be happy about that. I don't, <laughs> I don't know that I trust anyone else the to get editor, their hands on this. The editor texting me at like 1.48 a.m. being like, so this seven-second pause, should it stay in or should it come out? <laughs> <laughs> when he said strike that from the record, was that a bit? Or should I, was that, that? Should or I should actually I, should cut I that, that in? Just... There's people out there that could do it, but uh, but we, we don't want to negotiate them with them. So we don't want to give them benefits or money or anything like that. <laughs> Going to hoard it all for ourselves. Um, what were we even talking about? Otani? Shohei Otani. He hit one 493 feet. I know. It's so rare in life. I know many people have made this point, but it's so rare in life that something gets so hyped and then goes beyond, then, then yeah. delivers to infinity and beyond. You know, there's like there's like ten things in the world that have ever done that, and like LeBron and Shohei Otani are two of them. Yeah, Fall Out Boys from Under the Cork Tree is the third. Yeah, yeah although they're there, we didn't start the fire cover. Maybe uh, knocked them down from that a little bit. Heinous, heinous. If there's anything that can win you the Billy Joel argument, it's the existence of "We Didn't Start the Fire" as a song. That song is <laughs> exactly. god awful. <laughs> yes, but to his credit, I think he's said so himself. So, Billy. Billy, I think has come has said, yeah, it's a gimmick. It's a oh, gimmicky we, song. We love a self-aware king. So we love a yeah. You know, I was listening to Thunder Road the other day, the Bruce uh-huh. Springsteen song. <laughs> yeah, familiar. You familiar with it? Your favorite song of all time? Actually, it's a Jungle Land. Oh yes, it was Jungle Land when we were practicing yes. our roommate trivia. You told me Jungle Land, so I, I was listening to Thunder Road, which is like an eleven-minute song. And no, Jungle Land's the eleven-minute song. Thunder Road's like four minutes, bro. Oh, you're right. Okay. Strike that from the record, producer. <laughs> Strike it. <laughs> Just edit out the last eight minutes, please. Um, I was listening to Jungle Land, and I was I was vibing with it. I even had a thought cross my mind. I was like, "Dang, am I going to lose this argument over time? Like, am I? Is this going to be like a Connor Oberst bright eyes thing for me, where I like finally get around to it like nine years late, and I'm right. like, and Alex like, was oh. right, <laughs> right, or like a Taylor Swift reputation." You know, right. where you're like, that's her best album. And I was like, you're high. And then you were like, you'll see one day. Listen again. And then I listened again and again and again. And I was like, I'm with it. Yeah. And I was, so I was listening to Jungle Land. I almost said Thunder Road again. And I was like, fuck, this is so good. This is so good. And then eight minutes and 48 seconds in, he just starts doing his little get, whales, the Bruce Springsteen whale, whales. Whale. And I was like, nope, lost me again. <laughs> I was right still. <laughs> 
I'm with it for the first eight minutes and 47 seconds. Like, if you just ended this, all I'm asking you, end the song after eight minutes and 47 seconds. Sometimes you just got to do a little whale, you know? I think this pod could use more more whales. You know, when we feel like we've made a really good point, like... Uh, <laughs> uh, I think everyone listening agrees. If you feel like you've made a good point, you have absolute carte blanche to whale as much as you would like. Okay, great. I have no idea what we're talking about anymore. Somehow we started, we rehashed the DH and the Billy Joel and the, the Bruce Springsteen argument all in a hot second. Yeah, but Otani's pretty good, man. It's a big it's fan of his. Honestly, his. absurd. It's absurd. Almost makes me mad how good he is. I know. Sometimes I get the alerts and I'm like, oh, that was, I already got this alert. And it's like, oh, no, that's the, the second one he's hit today that was like 470 feet. Sick. All right. All right. Just, make, just making sure we're all on the same page. He's like one of the most universally beloved and appreciated people or things in sports and the world at the moment. It's just unimpe- it's unimpeachable. It's completely bulletproof. There's nobody out there who's trying to zag and be like, actually, this isn't that impressive. Actually, there's probably a bunch of guys who could do this. Like, it's just a hundred percent approval rating. So, like, you'd say that on a list of baseball's A-listers, he might come in at top two, and it's not number two. People were so mad about that. People were like, <laughs> "You guys are so wrong." Uh, okay, from universally beloved to universally dysfunctional. Do you asked me if I want to talk about how the Mets? Are a dumpster fire right now and the answer is i don't so let's move on let's talk about the orioles okay that was great you <laughs> i asked you before you said game time decision uh orioles hosted their pride night this past week there's not a discussion here it's not a it's not a take about it they just did a, a what from my perspective looked like a pretty darn good job at celebrating inclusivity and diversity in the sport among fans. Of course, there were the decorations and the, the giveaway, you know, the, the rainbow in center field and, and a, a pride hat giveaway and banners and, and all that sort of thing. You know, no one, no, no players were wearing any pride themed merch because the commissioner of major league baseball a couple weeks ago came out and said, yeah, we don't really think team that's a good idea for teams. You may remember that. Um, and so the Orioles decided to make a statement on social media instead. And so the Orioles, in lieu of just tweeting out simple game updates, sent out 25 consecutive tweets containing resources, facts, statistics about LGBTQ plus issues, and like real, like real important information about, about the danger that LGBTQ plus folks face every day. They they referenced like real legislation that's happening that's threatening trans folks they talked about you know sexual orientation and gender identity in youth sports i just it it felt like they were not simply checking a box but had clearly put some thought into this and we don't need to have a conversation about like corporatized pride necessarily but I was, uh, with all the really fr- fraught is one way of putting it, conversations around 
pride in sports and in baseball right now, and especially with what happened in Los Angeles, with the the understanding that the Rangers still don't have a pride night. This felt like a real breath of fresh air to like see on my timeline of a team who was like not interested in in backing down, was not interested in changing their logo and calling it a day. They really wanted to use their platform. And so I do have to commend them for that. And for Brandon Hyde coming out and saying after the game, you know, the ballpark's a space for everyone, for all of our fans. Doesn't matter who you are. I think it's just when you see a team or an organization or um even like even like a politician or something like that have like well researched thoughts and stances on things like anti-trans legislation or um the importance of inclusivity and of like creating welcoming spaces at the ballpark for everybody like queer folks or basically anybody besides like 65 year old like cishet white men it just draws such a distinction between like between like what the Orioles did and like what other teams do and not even just the worst teams you know not even just the Rangers not having it or the Dodgers backing down and getting becoming part of this like culture war thing but just like every team that is sort of like quasi in it to sell a little bit of merch or like quasi in it to just make it seem like they're one of the good one of the good guys like one of the people who get it it's it's not that much work to like understand who people are you know it can it can be hard but it's not nearly as hard as it is to be somebody who has historically not been welcomed in these spaces so the very least you can do is something like what the Orioles are doing like sharing resources and information and and directing people to like be smarter about these topics and and not just talk about it in such a black and white religion versus queer identity way that it's been shoehorned into our culture and it's not like the Orioles being well researched on queer issues is going to change things overnight but earnestly engaging with what the problems are like the problems facing queer communities and how grave and serious they are and how the only way to combat those problems is to plainly understand them and talk about them it feels like the right place for like a major league baseball team to be you know it's not like they're not they're not dictating the policy i don't think that they should be i don't think that they should be in there like writing legislation lobbying like i don't i don't trust major league baseball teams to like do stuff like that but but a place where uh, the place where major league baseball teams have power is like the attention on them as a community and educating and informing people within that community about the differences between them and why that's okay and why baseball can be a thing that actually does unite people and what the Orioles did feels a lot closer to that and to what to what I think like pride at MLB should be than, you know, maybe like 18 other teams. Yeah, absolutely. And it's also the kind of thing that like, if you're trying to broaden your fan base, if you're trying to build a community of folks who can enjoy this game, that's pretty darn good way to do it. Saying, this is for everyone. Baseball is for all. Bar none. That's it. 
period on the sentence. Unless you're trying to watch it on TV in the Baltimore area. <laughs> Slow <laughs> your roll. Slow your roll. <laughs> uh, okay. That has exhausted our own topics. We will now pivot to the, the litany of topics that were shared by the Tipping Pitches listeners. Topics and questions. First question. This is very important. This comes from Nick. Nick wants to know, if noted vegetable magnate Bob Castellini, he's got carrots and lettuce and mushrooms, porcini, the vegetable king Bob Castellini, passed away, and they held a press conference, and in his will, they decided to divide up his assets in a shocking turn of event. He was so moved by the previously played jingle that he made a last-minute addendum to his will and left the Cincinnati Reds in its entirety to Baisley Wagner Productions. <laughs> Which role in running the baseball team would we each have? So is is Phil Castellini still in the picture, or is like Cokehead Failson on the table? It appears as though we own the whole Reds, all of the Reds. We own the Reds. Okay. We are the Reds. It's us. We're the Reds. We're going to keep the Patreon going, though. the reds asset is just one part of a bigger bigger picture that the patreon still is included in right exactly exactly okay like handwriting holiday cards and i'm like alex who should we draft (laughs) (laughs) i mean i have a great role for you okay i want to hear it starting pitcher (laughs) (laughs) yeah why why is that and manager. Okay. Player coach. Player coach. I just think that people will follow you, you know? I think you're an inspiring guy. I appreciate it. I think you have a great change-up. I think your UCL... Looks a lot like my fastball. <laughs> I think your UCL is in much better shape than mine, as evidenced by the fact yeah. that, that three weeks ago, we were playing catch, and I could barely move my arm the next day. Uh, and you seemed to be okay. So, you know, who else is going to pitch for us? We can't afford to pay anyone. That's a good point. So what do you mean? We know that the Reds don't, they don't make money. I mean, baseball teams don't make money. Right. So what am I We don't have a vegetable empire to, for the passive income. So that's true. Yeah. He gave us the bad asset. (laughs) Gave the vegetable empire to fill and he gave us the Reds. Oh, brutal. Bad beat. I'd love to be a wholesale carrots guy. I've always felt like that was in my future. Artichokes. Sell me this carrot, Bobby. Do it right now. You look like you need some vitamin A, B, B12. Uh huh. I, I do know. probably need all of the above. So, how's your eyesight? You want to keep that sharp? Eat this carrot. There you go. When I was Don't a you, kid, you can like see in the dark, right? Like, yeah. When I was a kid, I I drank so much V8. Oh, that I started to turn orange. Oh, yeah. I don't know if that's true. That's just what I've been told by my parents. <laughs> okay. Um, what would I be doing? Play by play and color commentary. The- Both in two different voices. <laughs> one is you and one yes. is me. That'd be good. That would be entertaining. <laughs> I mean, the thing about all of this is this assumes that if I owned a billion dollar company that i would be interested in like working you know (laughs) i think i very very quickly would 
turn into uh, a billionaire with his feet up on the desks on the desk all day long. Dude, no one wants to work anymore. You included. Well, here's the thing. They shouldn't. <laughs> right? Maybe billionaires got the right idea. Wow. 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 I'm going to cut that one out and have it as a soundboard drop. Maybe billionaires got the right idea. 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 Quote, Alex Baisley. I, somebody listening right now, please put a picture of Alex Baisley's face with the quote. <laughs> oh, don't, don't do Maybe this. billionaires do got the right idea and start circulating that, circulating that in the communities. Yeah, from no billionaires in baseball to... Maybe billionaires no. got the right idea. Maybe they won. Uh, like Rob Manfred, all my quotes are taken out of context. I... <laughs> Everything on this podcast is taken out of context. There's no context that can be had for this show unless you want to go back and listen to every single episode we've ever done. That's the only sufficient context. <laughs> right. I genuinely think that I, ho- I have no business working for a baseball team. No, likewise. You interviewed with a baseball team to work for them. <laughs> yep. Which is the they probably... funniest alternate universe ever for this show. You're just like working for the Yankees. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Doing this every Sunday. <laughs> Chumming it up with Hal on Saturday. Oh, I would love to chum it up with Hal. I bet he has really interesting opinions about the world. That um, he does. I guess like communications strategy. Like social media. Yeah, person? like those are the things that we, those are the only things we know how to do. I would love to run the um, the finance team. Oh, okay. I would just come in there and I would just be like top level stuff. I'd just be like, I'm only top level. I'm just top level. Right. I would just say that a lot. And then they'd be like, he's just top level. Let's not bother him with this. Right. Let's not bother him with the details. Just give give the number. I'd come in there and I'd be like, think bigger. They'd be yeah. like, whoa. Whoa. Go in think and be big. like, how, so how much? They'd be like, how much what? You're just like, exactly. answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want to know. <laughs> just start saying vague business phrases like that. Where's the deliverables? <laughs> I think you'd be good at that. <laughs> I think so, too. We've been parodying it on the show for long enough that we could actually do it. We've watched enough A-Rod videos that it's seeped into our brain. I think I'd I'd be I want to be like the person who designs the jerseys. Okay. Not that they design new jerseys every year, but I want to be a part of the team. Uh, I want the title risk management. Okay. I just feel like a lot of people have that title and I don't know what they do. You know, risk management. That could be a lot of things. Like yeah. are you Making it more risky? You're making it less risky? Where, I, where is the risk? <laughs> Financial, cultural, institutional You're just managing risk. The, the existence of risk, right? Not too much, not too little. So right. do people who do risk management, do they come in and they're like, there's some risk here today. <laughs> Tomorrow, let's try to have less risk. I think you've, I think you've got it. I want a whole risk management kick because like <laughs> companies just have like internal like investment banks. Like every company over a certain size is like also an investment bank. Like they're yeah. a tech company. Like Facebook is a tech company. They have Facebook and they have Instagram. And they have like No, that's meta to you, bro. Hordes of Russian bots. You know. There's their surveillance state also. But then also they have like one quarter of Goldman Sachs just <laughs> embedded into the company. And a bunch of those guys are just doing risk management. I know I've said risk management about a hundred times in the last, yeah, I don't know what it means the last three minutes, but I feel like you and I could just both do risk management for the Reds. 
Can I be okay? How about this? I will be. Is it risky? The, to, risk management. Should we put Tom Brenneman back in the booth? No. <laughs> See, I'm already managing the risk. Okay. Counterpoint. You have to take risk to 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 win big. More risks. I want to be like the special assistant. You know, you always hear about special assistants in front offices. Oh yeah. yeah. I want to be that guy to the GM. Who would you hire as a GM? Once again, these are decisions I'm delegating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making any of these. I'm top decisions. levels. Yeah, I'm top level risk management. I don't watch the games. Only, only come me? to me with the deliverables. <laughs> Just come to me when you've picked a, a GM. <laughs> they come to you with like eight candidates, and you're like, not risky enough. Mm-hmm. They come back to you with like a bunch of guys in different fields, and you're like, too risky. I, I have nothing more to add to my resume for the for the Reds right now. But if Bob is listening, you know there is some risks here, but there's some reward as well. My my new thing is being as disrespectful to like white collar finance people as like white collar finance people have been to like blue collar union jobs for the last hundred years, basically. So I'm trying to like flip the paradigm a little bit. So I'm just like risk management people. They don't do anything. They don't. They do nothing. <laughs> I mean, that's like consultants. Like, what are you consulting on? You're just going in and saying, "Yep, no, it looks like you got some problems here." <laughs> Yeah, it's always like they have one big question and they need some consultants to figure it out. It's like, I, I have some consultants for you. The people who work for your company already, if you just ask them mm-hmm. what they think, they'll probably know the answer already. <laughs> you could consult the consultants. Oh, that's true. Special assistant to the consultants of the Cincinnati Reds Baseball Club, LLC. Okay. I feel bad that we didn't answer Nick's question in a serious way. <laughs> I don't know that I have a much more serious answer. I'm quite literally not qualified to do a single thing within a major league baseball club. I would handle the union negotiations. Uh-huh. I'd just give them everything. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> Think bigger. Top line. Thank you for that serious answer. Uh, okay, I'm glad we spent like 30 minutes answering that question because now we have about 20 other topics to fit in, in the next okay. 10 minutes. So let's let's power through them. Uh, our our right, friend, speed round, speed round. Our speed round, speed round. Yeah, we're back. Oh, we're back to the speed round. We forgot about it. Um. Our friend Russ, Russ Steinberg, former guest of this show. Russ wants to know, um, what is your strategy for Immaculate Grid? The craze sweeping the baseball internet. Immaculate Grid. Are you playing at all? I am. Yes. Thanks well, you, to you. you texted I know, me I know like a few a weeks ago. I like boomer <laughs> last week, and you were like, "What is this?" And I tweeted about you about using uh, uh, Pat the Bat, Bat Burl, Burl, right? Yeah. yeah, Pat the Bat Burl in in my Immaculate Grid, and you were like, "Haha, what is this?" <laughs> It was just a picture of him with like 0.9% in the corner. I was like, what is happening? One of those things where you're like, everybody is tweeting this exact thing and I don't know what it is. And I'm too afraid. Now, at this point, I'm too afraid to ask. Uh, Interesting question, Russ. What is is our immaculate grid strategy? My strategy is uh, not being good at it. That's my strategy. My strategy is to try to get as many right as possible (laughs) and to oftentimes fail. This this game has really uh, humbled me a lot about my historical baseball knowledge. I'm like, wow, I don't know a single pre-2004 Milwaukee Brewer, I guess. You know, can't think of a single one right now. <laughs> now, if you told me the names, I'd be like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, he's a Hall of Famer, first ballot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I just, my brain doesn't work like this. You know, I can remember very specific things that I've like experienced and talked about and been at and, you know, but 
I crumble when it when it's like you have to have, think of this very specific thing in this very specific way. Yeah. Uh, so I'm honestly not great at it. I can get it like a lot of the days if I take my time with it. I like put it down and come back to it. I'm like, oh yeah, that guy played for the Phillies and Mariners. Um, that's an easy one though, Gene Segura. Come on. Uh, <laughs> but you know, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not like some of y'all out there. Let's just put it that way. Which, to be clear, some of y'all are also lying. Like, no way you know all these fucking people. Lying. Lying. Not telling the truth. Lying. (laughs) (laughs) When over half of your grid is people who don't have photos, you're lying. (laughs) No. You're lying. No. (laughs) Stop lying. You're lying. (laughs) I I think, I mean, my strategy, honestly, such as there is one, I think when I started, I would, like, try to get cute. You know, I'd like think of someone and be like, no, that's too obvious. You know, I like Philly's player who sit 40 home runs. Okay, I could put Ryan Howard, but I want to do something more creative. And so I'd think on it Jim for like an hour. Well, there you, there you go. Yeah. I stopped trying to get cute. I was like, nope, first name that pops in my head. That's the one that's going in there. I'm not looking for a rarity score. I don't care. Well, for me, it's like the first player that pops in my head, I will often put, but I'll just make sure that I can't use him somewhere else in somewhere a place else, that yeah. is harder for me to think of. So that is my strategy. I will I will think of a person who might fit multiple places and I'll put that person in the place that I am struggling the most with. Um, I'm just going to say, one of my other strategies is just knowing who Greg Maddox is. He's like the answer to a lot of the problems. Yeah, it's like him and Edwin Jackson. It's like, oh, pitcher who's had 800,000 wins yeah. and 38 gold gloves for the Atlanta Braves. Who could that be? <laughs> Um. Yeah, I've used quite a bit of quite a bit of Greg Maddox. Sprinkle a little Jeff Francoeur in there, and you're good to go. Uh, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I I will say the last thing I'll say on this is that sometimes I you can be the judge of whether or not this is cheating, but sometimes when I can't think of a single baseball player, I'll like go to enter a players if I was going to enter, and then just type a letter and see who pops up. You know, mm. I'm like, all right, so Phillies. Mariners, I can't think of anyone. Let me just put an L in there. Oh, that's right. These are all baseball players. You Just to jog the memory a little bit. Rarely, I mean, the first names that come up are never the ones that are like the answers, right? But sometimes I, I find myself struggling to remember like who has ever played baseball. Yeah. And that's a really good way, I think, to remind myself of past lives of teams. It's like Billy on the street. Name a baseball yeah. player. Yeah. Uh, okay, next question. Which current Met is most likely to risk it all for Mrs. Met? This is hard hitting. This is hard hitting. I also like, I don't want to slander anyone who's in like a committed relationship with like a significant other right now. Stop. <laughs> We're not capable of slander. Editor, strike that if it's slander. That's true. I mean, if we've made it this this far. Uh, I don't know. Who, <laughs> who plays for the Mets? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> <laughs> My answer is Drew Smith. He just seems like okay. a, he seems like a interesting guy. He seems like uh, he seems a little bit like a fuckboy. I don't know what to tell you. I, I initially thought Nimmo, and then I realized that like I don't think he'd partake in adultery or like home wrecking. I think that he would think that it was ungodly to try to have relations with a woman not made in you know God's image, the image of God. Yeah, yeah. the image of a baseball. <laughs> That's not his God. It's not his God. But it could be our God, you know? 
Frankly, it's ungodly not to have relations with Mrs. Met. <laughs> it's Drew Smith. The answer is Drew Smith. Yeah, yep. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'll tell you who it's not. It's not Francisco Lindor. Nope. It's not Pete Alonso. Nope. It's not Starling Marte. It's not no. Max Scherzer. No. It's not Justin, it's Justin Verlander, Verlander. Who's a weird guy who I'm finally happy he is pitching well. Uh... That's about enough. That's it's enough. It's enough of the Mets for me. Drew Smith. How about Grant Hartwig? Just learned who he was. You're not part of the Hartwig <laughs> Hive. <laughs> we meet on Thursdays. I'm a, big, I'm a big more walks than strikeouts guy for a pitcher. Are you trying to like talk shit about the Mets right now? Like you're not telling me anything I don't know. Grant know. Hartwig made his MLB debut like a month ago when none other than Drew Smith got suspended for sticky stuff. Mm, it all comes together. I could tell you at least one thought about every player on the Mets 40-man roster. Do you want to do that right no, now? I, I really don't. Exactly. So don't get me started on Grant Hartwig. They, they DFA'd high-leverage Hunter. They DFA'd Tommy Hunter. High-leverage Hunter. <laughs> <laughs> I think Billy Epler D- DFA'd him because Buck wouldn't stop putting him in. <laughs> <laughs> he's just like, he's a vet. You know, I, tr- I trust him. They wanted him to throw. They wanted him to throw literally anyone else. They were like, "Please, we signed Brooks Raley." Billy Epler's like, "Please put him in." <laughs> and Buck's just like, "Not gonna, not gonna be able to do it." Kind <laughs> of go back to high leverage Hunter. Hey man, you do what you gotta do. You trust your guys. You trust your gut. Give him a chance. Maybe it'll shine. Okay, next question. This might divide the podcast. Greta wants to know. If you made a team entirely out of Bobby's and an entire team out of Alex's, which team would win? I mean, I initially was going to say probably yours, but again, with my UCL being more intact, like, would you be able to make it through a baseball game? Here's a question. A game of catch on the beach. Here's a question. Am I allowed to give the a couple of the Bobby's Tommy John before we play? <laughs> <laughs> Good question. I would uh, have to think yes. I think your team would win. Okay. That's very kind. We're very kind to each other. I just think it's been so, it's been longer since I played baseball than you played baseball. Right. Like in an organized way. So I, I think that, that's why I asked, if, if I could have like a year and a half and I could give a couple of my guys TJ, get back in the biz, you know. Right. Can you on, set up a minor league get of on, Bobbies <laughs> to like work on their skills? A complex league? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I fly all my Bobbies down to DR. <laughs> yeah we're in omaha nebraska on a minor league backfield um no but i think that i think your guys the fundies would just be better Mm. i'll tell you one thing one thing i don't like to do is field ground balls or catch fly balls so (laughs) i hear that you need to do that most of the time you know there is a position that allows you to say hit while not having to field ground balls or fly balls yeah it's called it's pitcher tongue, it's called but... pitcher it's called pitcher where you pitch no, dude you gotta you work hit. on your pfps bro i'm fine with pfps you know you lay down a bun i'm getting that bad boy yeah you got the wheel the wheel down one thing i always really struggled with though is that like like the weak grounder to like glove side i'm right-handed so glove side towards the first baseline and you have to kind of toss it to first but you can't throw it too hard because right. the first baseman won't be ready for that but like when my arm, you know, when my arm was live back in the day, it was live. <laughs> Can't stop it. Just I'm max effort all the time. Fire one, 
Let it loose. Fire one of you. Look out in the front row. <laughs> so what I, you're saying is I just need to lay down bunts <laughs> down the first baseline the entire time and I'll be good. Pretty much. Although, okay. how's your bunting these days? I can see a lot of your Alex's having broken fingers. Broken fingers, yes. Yeah. And you need those. You know, you need your fingers. I just got an alert from Apple Music that we didn't start the fire single by Fall Out Boy is available now. Oh, God. What do they know? All right, wrap it up. It's time to stop. <laughs> I hope people can tell that I'm like literally s- sweating so much that I don't even know what we're talking about. <laughs> like by the energy of this podcast, we have one final question. I apologize to everybody whose topics we did not get to. Those topics included, if baseball was different, how different it would be. Uh, <laughs> Bray and Bellow, top five rate limited teams. If each social media app was a baseball team, who would be Twitter, Facebook, Reddit, or Mastodon? How do all new stadiums have retractable roofs? Argue about baseball food. These are all great. These are great topics. We These just, are great we just topics. ran out of time. Uh, the final question comes in the form of a voicemail. This is from a listener named Marty. I will play that voicemail for you right now. Yes, Marty. Hi, my name is Marty. Um, I actually went to the Dodger game recently in the nice seats. Never, ever get a sit there. Um, and I'm looking around and I see this old guy that I swear I recognize. I'm like texting my friends, trying to figure out who it is. And then all of a sudden I realized, holy shit, that's Scott Boris. I am 15 feet away from Scott Boris. Nothing I can do besides to try to approach him. I go up to him. I say, what's up? And he clearly never gets recognized. I sent a picture of us. I was starstruck I, I i felt like you guys should know this i i didn't wear any tipping pitches merch i felt like i should have but you know it was really cool for me <laughs> marty thank you so much i could hear the joy in your voice as you <laughs> so were recounting pure. that story i love how he's like i felt like you guys should know this <laughs> and he's right we should know yeah. that if you have met scott boris because we had another listener who told us that they met Scott Boris, too. If you've met Scott Boris... Clearly, dude's available. I know. Also, he's just at Dodgers games. <laughs> just, like, in the seats? How does this guy find the time? I know. Scott Boris vampire theory. Dude doesn't Scott sleep. Boris team of unpaid interns theory. <laughs> Less fun, more true. <laughs> um... Scott Boris is going to be a billionaire someday. And then there's going to be years and years of recorded history of us praising a billionaire. Have you thought about that? I mean, I think I went on record on this very podcast and noted that maybe some billionaires have it right. So maybe billionaires got the right idea. Maybe billionaires got the right idea. I know. I like You're just getting out ahead of, of it. Well, pe- Taylor exactly. Swift is going to be a billionaire by the end of this year. So there's that actually a second true. billionaire that we've praised. Tough scene. Still reckoning with that one. Marty, you did the right thing. Going and getting a photo with Scott Boris. If you ever run into him again, my one piece of advice for you, aside from the fact that, you know, be wearing Tipping Pitches merch, my one piece of advice for you would be tell him to listen to our podcast. Ask him if you would like to come on. You know, this is our our push into being tastemakers, right? Influencers, the baseball world. I feel like we're already there. Yeah, but if we have Boris's ear, there's no stopping us. That's true. People do kind of just grovel at the Scott Boris trough. All Whatever the season. fuck he says. Yeah. 
and that's it, that's like far and wide too. Like it, it's everybody from us and our fellow, our friendly podcasters, you know, over at Batting Around or Effectively Wild or wherever, uh, all the way to the 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 newsbreakers, you know, the Passons of the world, the Buster Olneys of the world, the Rosenthal's of the world. Keep going. The Bob Nightingales of the world. Right. The Verducci's of the world. <laughs> I just want to say, okay. Uh-huh. To my good friend Rohan. I always, I, I always love this. To my good friend Rohan Nadkarni. He's definitely not listening to this podcast. A basketball writer for Sports Illustrated. Uh, a native of South Florida, of the Miami area. A Heat fan. A Dolphins fan. A Marlins fan. Who has been giving me constant shit all year about the Marlins being better than the, the Mets and us refusing to talk about the Marlins. And citing Tom Verducci articles as the reason we should be talking about the Marlins. I want to say to my dear friend Rohan, I will never praise the Miami Marlins on this podcast. It just will not happen. It will not. I will not admit I was wrong. They are fraudulent. They're not good. They're not going to finish the season over 500. You heard it here wow. first. You heard it here first. Louis, the Mets? No. They they are god awful. They are absolutely a lifeless dog shit baseball team that does not deserve to be playing baseball games out there every day. Okay. Sell, 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 fire sale. Everybody out of town. Goodbye. Everybody not named Pete Alonso, Brandon Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, and Jeff McNeil. Sayonara and Francisco Alvarez and Brett Beatty. <laughs> okay, <laughs> everyone but the starting lineup. <laughs> Get them out. No, no, no. Members of the starting lineup can go. Okay, Verlander Scherzer, goodbye. Thanks for your couple months here of doing absolutely nothing. Appreciate it. Mark Hanna, we can send you off to a playoff team. I love you. <laughs> it's nice of you. <laughs> I'll send you anywhere except Atlanta. <laughs> and I'm not sending you back to Oakland. Or my or Miami. That's true. Did you send them to Miami? Uh no. 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 Because they're not going to finish over five hundred. They're not gonna yeah, make, they're not gonna make the playoffs. They're fraudulent. They're fugazi. Their run differential is still negative. Like, what, what are we talking about? Here? Like, thirty <laughs> games over five hundred. The negative run differential. It's uh, it's garbage. Okay, that's everything I have. Buy tickets to the Cyclones game if you live in New York or if you're going to be in New York on the weekend of July 29th and thirtieth. That link is in the description. Please continue to pitch Alex on a new team or no team or not liking baseball. I guess which is something that he said that you could do. Seven eight five four two two five eight eight one. Please continue to submit in the Google form. Yes or no questions or short answer questions. We've received quite a few of them. Many of them are tremendous. Uh, Alex, would you like to make one final plea for why billionaires are good this week? You know what? I will. Okay, great. This comes courtesy of a billion billion dollar corporation. This little this little news item I want to share with everyone. It is, of course, this, this is getting uh, released on July 3rd. T- tomorrow It's July 4th. And in honor of this, I don't know if you saw this, PepsiCo is introducing Pepsi-Cola Chop. Yes, that is Pepsi Ketchup Oh, at Chase Field, Yankee Stadium, Target Field, and Comerica Park. It's uh, innovation, Bob. It's anti-American. They're still coming up with there's uh there's one comment on this article that I'd like to read in its entirety and then and then we can get out of here. This is my last case of Mountain Dew. I'm going. This is the this is the comment. There's no there's no like quoted parts or anything. This is how it starts. This is my last case of Mountain Dew I'm going through. No more Pepsi products. They promote income disparity, rich versus poor, 
on all the days in the USA, they do it on a holiday where everyone is supposed to, s- to celebrate as a country, not a select few at a baseball game. There's plenty of ingredients to make this product available for all. <laughs> wow. And you know what? He's right. He said, God damn it. Pepsi Cola chup for the many, not the few. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you, Alex. I much appreciate it. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll be back next week. Uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez. Tipping pitches. Tipping pitches. This is the one that I love the most. Tipping pitches. So we'll see you next week. See ya!